Good morning. Good to see y'all this morning. Uh, thankful that you were here with us. Thankful for the opportunity to be able to look at God's Word together. If you have a Bible with you, if you would turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. That's where we will begin this morning, uh, looking as we continue our way through the book of Daniel. As you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. Um, have you ever had to look at two specific things and then weigh out which of those things was more worthy, more good, the thing that you wanted the most at that time? Which one was the thing that you wanted more? Y'all ever had that before? Of course you have. We have lots of things. Big things, little things. Gave the example earlier that uh, you know, sometimes I, I like to record shows on, you know, we've got DVR, and so I'm not going to be here at this time. I want to record that show. That looks good. And I tell it to record, and it says, oh, time conflict. Something else is already scheduled to record. And I have to decide which one of these shows will be more worth my time later. Do I want to watch this, or do I want to watch that? All right, sometimes you go to the restaurant, and you want the chicken, and you want the pork chop. Little things, we have to make those decisions. But then there are big things, too. There's, you know, you find out you have cancer and you have to make the decision. Do I want to undergo chemo treatments knowing that it might prolong my life, but it may make me very, very sick for that time period? Or would I rather have quality of life now and maybe not live as long, right? There are big things and there are little things, but we do this over and over every day. We practice this thing of taking two things and trying to figure out which one is better for us, which one we want more. Well, today we're going to see some men having to do that when it comes to worshiping God or something else. And then I pray that later as we look at this, that the Lord will apply this to you as well, that you will see the importance of making that decision and how easy the decision should be for us. But let's look in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, for the rest of the time this morning, I'm going to refer to that long list of people there as all the king's horses, and all the king's men, just for time's sake. So verse 3 continues, Then all the king's horses and all the king's men gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn pipe, lyre trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So, so here's the setting for today, right? This, this is still in Babylon. And in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is king. This is the largest, strongest nation in the world. He is the king of this long, large, strong nation. And he decides to make this statue, 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide, golden statue. And his rule that he gives to everyone is that when you hear all of these instruments play, any day, any time, when you hear all these instruments play, you are to fall down and worship this image. This is what you're called to do. So 
This is the dilemma, right? We've seen in Daniel chapter 1 already there was a dilemma. Would they eat the food or not? Right? We saw in chapter 2, we saw another conflict as, as these people are, are either going to be able to interpret the king's dream or they're going to die. And then again here we see another narrative with a very clear dilemma. There is the choice to worship this idol, this statue, like the king said, or not. Now, for the people of Babylon, that's not a big deal. Right? They're pagan people. They worship false gods and idols all the time. This isn't a big deal to them. But the, the conflict comes in in the fact that we remember that some of God's people are now in Babylon. Right? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we've been reading about specifically are faithful people to God that are in Babylon. And they are also being told, bow down to this statue or else. What is the or else? We'll see it in verse 6 and a couple other verses in just a minute. I want to go ahead and give you point one because it, it's, it's simple, but it's, it really helps make this setting into a point. Uh, point one is God's people were pressured to worship an idol. That's exactly what we see here. Is we see the statue is an idol. And some of you might think, well, Brother Zach, how is a statue specifically an idol. I'm not telling you that all statues are idols. The statue itself was not the problem here. The problem was the law or the decree or the command that you will worship this statue, that you will fall down on your knees and that you will worship this statue that I've set up. That's where the issue comes in. Now, some of you I know I may already start to lose because you think, look, I don't, we don't do idols at our house. That's not a thing. We don't do statues and, and praising and worshiping statues, so, so I'm out. I'm going to think about something I've got going on later today until Brother Zach says amen and we're gone. But, but listen to me for just a minute. Even though a statue can be an idol, not all idols are statues. Okay? This was the, the idol that they were dealing with, worship this statue or not. But what I'm telling you is, and we'll see this a little bit later, I'll give you some specific examples. There are things in your life that could easily be idols if there aren't already idols in your life. There are some of them that, that you've probably dealt with in the past. There are some that you're probably going to deal with in the future. And they're not statues, and they're not kings telling you you have to worship this statue. But they are things, they are people... They are thoughts or ideas that you are more dedicated to than you're dedicated to God. If you have any of those, then that's an idol. If there's a person, a place, a thing in your life that you love more than you love God, there's something in your life that you choose over God. And not even over, right? There, it's not just something that you love more than God. If there's something that you love as much as you love God, that's an idol. If there's something that you would choose as often as you choose God, that thing is an idol. Or if there's anything that you give what only God deserves, which is what we see here. Right? Bowing down and worshiping something is something that only God deserves. So if they do it for the statue, then they are worshiping an idol because they're giving this statue what only God deserves. So what is the problem here? Why is it such a big deal? Why is the conflict so strong? Well, verse 6 says, And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And all of a sudden, everything goes up a notch, right? 
So it's, it's enough conflict already that the king tells you, you're supposed to worship this statue. And now you've got to decide, am I going to not listen to the king? Right? Am I going to not follow the law of the land? There's a conflict already. But then the conflict kind of steps up a notch whenever it's, if I don't follow the king, if I don't obey the law of the land, I'm going to be thrown into a fire. That's not something that any of us, none of you came here today hoping to be thrown into a fire, I don't imagine. Right? So the conflict is escalating. And I think it escalates even more. Look in verse 14. These men, as you would expect, have refused to bow down to this idol. They have been reported to the king, and in verse 14, he calls them in, and things get even more real. Verse 14 says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? So here, the king, things have escalated even more, right? There's, there's the threat. They initially hear that the king has set up the statue, and you'll either worship the statue or you'll be thrown into the fire. And it's kind of a threat, right? That might could happen. There might really be a fire, and I might really be thrown into it. But now things are different because the threat is real. They are standing in front of the king, and the king is mad. He's extremely mad. And he calls these three men by name. And it's as if he has the band right over here, and he says, All right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're about to strike up the band. And whenever the band strikes up, you'll have the choice. You can go ahead and bow down and worship. And if you do, we'll just forget this whole deal ever happened. But if not... And it's almost as if the fire is right over there. Because we'll see in just a little bit, things happen very quickly after. It's like the king says, here's the band, here's the image. When they play, you bow down and worship or you're going into the fire. You can see it. And so now all of a sudden things are really real for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in front of the king who is mad. They're in front of the idol the music's going to play or they're going into the fire if they, they're going to worship it or they're going into the fire. So the question becomes, what do you do in a situation like this? Right? And, and people find all sorts of reasons to justify actions in a situation like this. Now, not that I've ever met anyone personally who had been threatened for their life for serving Christ, but there are many that are. But, but whenever there's something that we really want, right, an idol or something that we really want to be dedicated to. I've had conversations like this where people have sat in my office and said, listen, I, I, know, I know the Bible says that I shouldn't leave my wife. I know the Bible says that I shouldn't uh, have this habit. I know the Bible says this, but I really want to, and I think God really wants me to be happy. And all of a sudden, whenever the stakes are high and it's something that we really want or there's a lot of pressure, all of a sudden we'll start to kind of talk ourselves into, well, this is okay. And I think that could have been easy for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right here. Right? It's a simple act. Just bow down in front of this idol one time while the king's watching and you don't get thrown into the fire. So what should we do in this sort of situation? 
Well, the Bible addresses it specifically. In Exodus chapter 20, you can turn there if you'd like. You don't have to. But in Exodus chapter 20, we read a specific teaching that tells us what we should do in this situation. Verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, am the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me. And keep my commandments. So this is the Ten Commandments, right? We've read this, we've seen this, we've heard this before. And, and I'm telling you, you say, well, Brother Zach, that didn't mention any, anything about fiery furnaces. It didn't mention anything about your life being threatened. No, what it did was give us a specific teaching of God that is applicable in every situation where there's an idol. Every time there's a decision to be made, will I... Give my time, devotion, attention, love to this thing or give my time, devotion, attention, love to God? Am I going to elevate this thing so that every day I think about this person or this place or this job or I think about money more than I think about God? Anytime that decision comes up or if you're ever in front of a king and he says, bow down to this idol or I'll throw you into the fire, here is the teaching. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not give the worship that you should give to me to anything else. And the teaching is without stipulation. It's not only choose me over idols when it's easy. It's not only choose me over idols whenever you want to. No, it's always choose me over everything else, period. No stipulations, no other questions to be asked. Point two, God's people should never worship anything other than God. Period. Never. Doesn't matter if the stakes are high. Doesn't matter if your desire is real. We shouldn't. That's the first reason. I'm going to give you two reasons today why you should choose God instead of idols every time. Here's the first one. The first one is simple, and some of you might think it's too simple, but it's simply because God said so. Why should I choose God over these other things in my life? Because God said so. Because God said you should. And that should be enough. That should answer it for us. But in case it doesn't, let's look back at the text of Daniel chapter 3. Let's see how these three answered as they're standing here in front of the firing squad, if you will. And that's pretty bad. It's supposed to be a pun. Firing. Get it? Okay. Let's go on. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. 
And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments and thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, all the king's horses, and all the king's men, gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. So here's what they do, right? The king has thrown down the gauntlet and said, what God can save you? What God or who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give the answer. Our God, the one true God, that's the one. He can deliver us from that burning fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, know this king, we're not going, we're not going to bow down to your worthless idol. I don't know if they said it that way, but in my head, that's the way they said it. And they were emphatic, and it made the king mad. And then we see, as it goes throughout the rest of that, the king does everything in his power to hurt and punish these men. They think their God is stronger than him, and so he's going to show them. The strongest man of the strongest nation in the world says, I want my furnace heated as hot as it will go. So they heat it as hot as it goes, so hot that the men that take them to throw them in there are killed. He does everything in his power to prove that he's more powerful than God. And what happens? He looks through the door and he sees Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and an angel walking around in the fire. Like they're having a little chat. And he calls them out and they come out and they don't, they're not burned, they're not hurt, and they don't even smell like smoke. Now, that's amazing to me because if I walk by a campfire, smell like smoke for three days. These guys walk around in the fire and talk to an angel. Come out and they don't even smell like smoke. Brothers and sisters, we see here the truth that, that not only does God tell us to only worship Him, but God's also the only one that's worthy of our worship. It's the second reason that we should always choose God over idols. Point three. God's people should only worship God because He's the only one worthy of our worship. Here we have the, the contest set up. The king says, what God's stronger than me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God's stronger than you. He said, well, watch this. Make that furnace as hot as it'll go and throw them in there. And God says, watch this. They'll walk around and come out. They won't be harmed. And they won't even smell like smoke. Brothers and sisters, God makes it clear throughout the Scriptures, not just here, but over and over and over, that there's nobody that's worthy of your time. There's nobody that's worthy of your attention. There's no thing that's worthy of your devotion like He is. About this same time, 
uh, there was a, a king of a different land, Cyrus, king of Persia, that, that was getting ready. God was going to send him to take over Babylon. And in Isaiah 45, you don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah 45, 5, we read this, God speaking to Cyrus, and he says, I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Brothers and sisters, I want you to remember that. When you're trying to decide what's going to get your time, devotion, attention, God or something else, I want you to remember there's only one God. There's only one thing that's worthy of all this. And now there are different pressures for us to want to choose idols, right? Sometimes it's internal. I want this. I really want this. I want to be addicted to this thing. I want to spend time doing this habit, right? And there are lots of them. I told you that there are lots of different modern-day idols, not just statues, probably some of the most common ones, and I've prayed over and over this week that the Lord would make clear to you whatever there is in your life that's competing for Him, for His time, for His devotion, that He would make that clear to you. But here are a couple of the most prominent idols that I see in our day and time. A lot of people love money more than they love God. A lot of people love recreation and free time and comfort, being entertained and doing what they want. They love that more than they love God. Their life makes it clear. Many people make other people into idols. They think about this person more than they think about God. They serve this person more than they serve God. People do the same thing with sports teams. Talk about it, think about it. They do it with political parties. People do it with addictions. They have some addiction in their life and it's a drug. And all they think about is the next time they're going to get high. Every day they wake up thinking about the next time they're going to get high. Or the next time that they're going to go drink. Or the next time that they're going to look at that website. Or the next time they're going to do that thing that they shouldn't with somebody that's not their husband and that's not their wife. All of these things can be idols. Some of them aren't necessarily bad on their own. People aren't bad. It's okay to have people in your life that you love. It's not okay to have people that you love more than God. It's okay to have money. It's not okay to want and desire and think about and talk about and love money more than you love God. You see, there's a difference in having something and making that thing into an idol. And so over and over, every day, we're going to have to ask the, the question, are these things worth more than God? Should I be more dedicated, should I spend more time on this thing than I should God? And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to remember this. Just like whenever you sit down and you look at the menu at that restaurant and you're trying to decide, do I want the chicken or do I want the pork chop? And you just wait. You kind of go through it. Well, I've had this just recently. I guess this tastes good. You kind of weigh it out and you make a decision. I want you to do the same thing with whatever it is in your life. Money or a business or a friend or a sports team or a political party or whatever it is. The approval of other people's and fame and popularity. I want you to take that thing and I want you to take God. And I want you to ask which one is more worthy. This thing that might for a little bit make you feel good. And many of those habits do. They make you feel good for a little bit. They may offer you something. May offer you a little bit of comfort. May offer you a little bit of joy. Or the God that created the entire world that we live in, the God that, that knit you together in your mother's womb, the God who, who took His image 
and gave it to you so that you would be made in His image, so that from the time that you were conceived in your mother's womb that you had great value, this innate value that He gave to you because He gave you His image, this God that, that when you were rebelling against Him and when you were being sinful and when you were living an evil life, didn't write you off and didn't turn His back on you, but was patient with you and waited for you, this God that sent His own Son to leave the comforts of heaven and come to earth and to live a life where He did everything right that you did wrong, who did everything perfectly and still died a terrible, horrible death on a cross while taking the eternal wrath of God for all your sins so that when you came in faith that you could be forgiven. Which one is truly more worthy of your time today? Which one's more worthy of your attention and your love and your devotion today? And you have to make that decision over and over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the decision. They were standing in front of the furnace and they said, What's more worthy? Us bowing down to this idol that will keep us from being thrown into this furnace for right now or God that can keep us forever. And for you it will be the money or the person, or those things, the, the momentary comfort, or the momentary peace, or the momentary joy that they can give you, or the eternal comfort and joy and peace and hope that God can give you. I want to leave you with a different text this morning. It's Matthew chapter 10. If you'd like to turn there, you can. In Matthew 10, Jesus is talking about the persecution that, that believers will follow. Right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here were, were saved from the fire. They weren't burned, they weren't harmed, but the promise of this scripture is not that if you choose God that you will never be harmed. No, the teaching of the scripture are actually the opposite. It tells us that if we are devoted to God, that there will be persecution, that we will be hated, that people will do evil things to us. I have a book here that's filled with the stories of people that were martyred and killed many of them in terrible, terrible ways because they were devoted to Christ and wouldn't worship somebody or something else. The promise of this text today is not that if you will remain faithful to God that you will be comfortable and happy and rich. That's not the teaching of this. Now, the teaching of this is that you should remain faithful to God because He's the only one that's worthy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if we're not delivered from the fire... God's still worthy. Even if we're not delivered from the fire, we're not going to worship your worthless statue. There will be consequences, and some of them will be negative for our choices to follow God, but He's still worthy. In Matthew chapter 10, as Jesus is talking about these things that will come, in verse 28, He says this, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, there are many idols and temptations on this earth that will offer you something for a minute. But then there is God who will offer you peace 
and hope and joy and comfort that will last forever. There is God who will offer to make you part of something bigger than yourself. There is God that will offer you His love and His commitment and His acceptance who will make you part of His family, not for a moment, but forever. There is God who will give you life that will last forever. Right, Bowing down to that statue would have kept them out of the fire for a few minutes, but bowing down to God would keep them living forever. And so to me, the choice is clear. doesn't matter what the idol is. doesn't matter how much I want it. It's not worthy. It's not worthy of me thinking about it, loving it, or wanting it more than I think about love or want God. So the last thing I want to do is I want us to pray. We're going to close by praying today. And a prayer that I have prayed over and over and over this week for myself and for you is this. God, help me to want you more and the things of this world less. I prayed, God, those that will be there Sunday, help them to want you more and the things of this world less. And so I want us to pray that. I ask that you would join me today and just pray. Ask God that he would make any idols that are in your life clear. Anything that competes for the things that only God deserves, clear. And when he does... Pray and ask Him to help you to want Him more than you want those things. Let's pray. Father God, I am thankful to know that You are worthy and that You are the only one that's worthy, that You're the only one that's perfect, You're the only one that's all-powerful, You're the only one that created me, You're the only one that loves me unconditionally, You're the only one that has sent your son to offer me forgiveness. Father, as we think on these things, I pray that our hearts are set, that we would never let anything compete for the time that we owe to you, the devotion, the love that we owe to you. Father, help us to love you more and to love the things of this world less. Father, make it as your spirit for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ. Father, help it so that to be so that your spirit magnifies you in such a way that nothing looks as glorious or beautiful to us as you do. Father, that there's nothing that we would want to spend time with more than we want to spend time with you. Father, I know that that is hard for us. It seems like a foreign concept to us because of our flesh and the old sinful nature. Father, I pray that it is the truth of our hearts that we want you more than we want anything. Father, thank you for showing us your power and ability through this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Father, thank you for showing us that there's nothing, no one that's as strong as you are, not kings or nations or armies. Father, there's nothing that can hold a candle to you. Lord, I pray today that every one of us, that you would show us clearly the things in our life that are competing for what only you deserve. And, Father, that we would not want those things anymore, but that we would want you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming today. Um, We will have prayer meeting Wednesday night at 6. Here in the sanctuary, you're welcome to come and join us. Uh, But if nothing else, I pray that you all have a wonderful week. Be careful on your way home.